Not bad. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm uh, coming off the back of a, uh, of a, just a, a, a disappointing uh, USA soccer match last night that I had been eagerly anticipating for, I don't know, three, four weeks, and then was like, totally blah. Good result. Totally blah. Uh, um, why? What was, what was blah about it? Uh, neither boring. team played that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nil-nil. Um, and, um, we missed two really good chances, uh, in the game and Mexico had none. So it was definitely like one of those where like, it's very rare that you're going to play at Mexico and have them be as vulnerable as they were last night and we couldn't take advantage. So that was a little bit, uh, disappointing. That's a bummer. Uh, better than Italy though. Better than Italy, better than Italy. And we're, we're in better shape than Italy at this point. Uh, we just got to hopefully take care of business on Sunday and we're going to the world cup. So that would, that would be exciting. Yeah. Especially after last time. Yeah. We do not want to leave it to the last match. Um, uh, like we did last time where we sit, we're not quite, we haven't quite clinched fourth, which would be, you know, fourth is, uh, you don't qualify, but you go to a playoff to qualify. Mm -hmm. Um, it would be hard for us not to get fourth from where we are at this point. Like a lot of bad stuff would have to happen. So, um, so we should at the very least come out of this, not out of the world cup, even if we're not in it, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And, yeah. uh, that sounds very American soccer. So let's do it. <laughs> it sure does. Um, all right. Um, the, uh, the game last night pushed top chef for me for, to, for late night. Um, but I don't know that it. Uh, it, it <laughs> I don't know that this was a particular spicy Top Chef, but I did enjoy uh, the the construction of the challenges this week. Did you? Um. I mean, I liked it. What? You felt like it wasn't a good episode. I don't think it was a bad episode. I just think it was. I didn't think it was particularly late night spicy Top Chef. It was just a, okay. just a fun okay. episode of Top Chef. That's all. I I. Maybe it wasn't late night spicy. Yeah. But. Not that it was trying to be. I just meant I was watching it late at night. Right. (laughs) That's all. I did find this to be one of the most entertaining and engaging episodes of Top Chef I think I've ever watched. I thought this challenge was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, I don't know. I I mean, okay. So uh, they bring out Wiley Dufresne's ridiculous identical dishes right and i mean it kind of blew my mind and you could tell it was kind of blowing the minds of the professional chefs in the competition right yeah i was pretty skeptical not always in a good way though like a lot of those chefs are kind of like all right flashy flashy molecular gastronomy guy right you know what i mean yeah you know i think a lot of them felt that way when the food got brought out but I felt like once they realized what was going on and tasted it, they were they were at least impressed, if not like thrilled, right? Mm-hmm. And I was skeptical, man. Like, I I did not think that challenge would turn out as well across the board as it did. And yes, the two teams in the bottom both made mistakes, but even those dishes were pretty impressive in the way that they matched each other. And I thought just the the level of ability this is a this was a really good challenge to understand the like incredibly high baseline of technical ability that is required here, yeah, yeah, the level of execution was really high and it, it and it's interesting, right, because you did a lot of the chefs really struggled in the conception 
portion of this, right? Like they're like, how are we yes. do this? Like, you know, I don't know how to work this way, all of that stuff. And then Well, I think it was Evelyn out. who yeah. said, like, I have to work backwards from how I She said normally... we have to work backwards, right? Because both of them right. are kind of Yeah, so And like that's I that really put it in perspective for me of like, God, this is so difficult just from a planning and conception standpoint, never mind the execution. Like the whole I really thought we were going to get at least a couple of dishes that just really didn't look that close to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it does. It did make me realize, too, right, that we are – there aren't that many chefs left, right? It was five teams of two? Um, was it that few? I think it might have been I, six. Was it six? I well – there were only two on the on the right. There were only two in the in the winning judges table, right? And then they had Monique and uh, Darnell uh, step aside, right? And then they had two in the bottom, correct? So, huh? Five bears, right? I mean, that sound that what you just went through there sounds good, uh, but I I don't know why I felt like there were six, but yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, and now we're down to four pairs, are we? Hold on, no. Logic? Robert and Sarah. Hold on, two, I'm just four. Six, <laughs> Rather than doing twelve, yeah, I was right. There's six. There were five once Robert and Sarah were eliminated. Um, but it was Ashley and was it Jay? No, Ashley and Luke. It was Ashley and Luke, Buddha and Jackson. Joe and Evelyn, Damar and Monique, Nick and Jay, and then Robert and Sarah. So six teams of two. Huh. So who – wait, so who finished in – right, so we know that Robert uh, – we can do this off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Damar and Monique and Nick and Jay were, were two teams in the middle, and then there were two teams in the top and two teams in the bottom. Oh, Nick and Jay got middle. Okay, that's that's what I'm missing. Nick and go. Jay and Damar and Monique were both. Yeah. Oh, yep. Because um, Nick had those goofy Mississippi-shaped biscuits in the morning. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, uh, that wasn't that challenge, I guess. But we'll, that, that was another hilarious moment in this episode. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to Nick a little bit later on. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about some of these biscuits. Um, but I got to say, the other thing, and we've said this every single episode – that this drove home is like there's no weak spots here. Right. That was kind of where I was going with that. It's like, A, we're getting close to Restaurant Wars all of a yep. sudden. And B, um, that there are not really we're, – we're kind of losing the weak people, I feel like, or the weaker people. I don't think anybody here – I wouldn't really describe anybody here as weak. But, um, well, maybe uh, maybe one. But <laughs> Really? <laughs> not anybody here, but anybody on this whole season, I mean. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I, but we, we've, we've separated, I think, the more elite chefs already. You know what I I'm saying? Think it's going to be a bloodbath from I, here. I would struggle to pick the weakest of the ten remaining chefs. I, I honestly don't know who it would be. Yeah. Because I thought, honestly, and I don't um, – I'm not trying to pick on her, but at least from what I'd seen so far, I sort of felt like Sarah was the last person to me that maybe was not cooking at the level of some of these other chefs. Yep. Um, and, and obviously she got eliminated. So, um, so yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting, interesting battle from, from here on out. Um, yeah. And it really just, you know, it puts a lot more pressure on because I think frankly, all 10 of the remaining chefs probably could have survived a week where they didn't cook their best. And now I don't know that anybody can. Like anyone who doesn't perform at the highest level now is in danger of going home. Yeah, um, I feel like honestly, I feel like, uh, and statistically, it kind of bears this out. I feel like Monique is the person who's kind of like cooking, cooking well enough every week, and, and in fact, she's been in the middle four times. Yep, uh, but she did win a quick fire, and yeah. she also. No, I think she's very good, but yeah. I think right, like I don't think we've necessarily seen her best. She's just had some bad luck, right? Like she has. You know, she could have won that uh, football challenge if things had gone a different way. You know 100%. what I mean? One hundred percent. If they had yeah. re- if they had changed the orders, she probably would have won that football challenge. And 
just what what she and Demar. I was surprised that she and Demar weren't one of the top two teams, but it was just such a high level of, of execution across the board that you know I think they're you know if they had put three teams in, they would have been the third team. But what Ashley and Luke did was spectacular, and Jackson and Jackson still can't taste his food. Yeah. <laughs> And the two of them, I mean, look, we should have known. Like, they tried to play it like, well, Jackson got his advantage, and he picked the guy who lost the the biscuit challenge. And it's like, no, he picked the guy who's going to knock this next one out of the park is what he did. Yeah, so Um, this was like – like, Buddha was a pig in shit in this challenge, yes, right? Yes, he like, was. He was so excited to, to do it and had all the ideas and then went out and won the thing. So good good for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He definitely won it the most. Yes. And although DeMar's, uh, you know, record for this week will will just say that he didn't lose, he, he was second, I'm almost positive, in the quick fire, and they easily could have been – one of the top two teams in the in the elimination challenge. Like, I think since week one, Demar has distinguished himself as right at the top. Yeah, I mean, I think he's uh, he. You got to say he's probably the favorite right now, right? Should we? Uh, where's your top? What's your top three at the moment? <sighs> I think it's probably Demar. Jackson and God, it's really hard. I think Buddha, right? Although Ashley is in that conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably Damar and Buddha would be my top two with Jackson and, and Ashley uh, fighting for that third spot. Yeah. So I'm, I would say, I mean, I think Damar, Right, so that's our agreed number one at this point. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I have Jackson second. And then I think Ashley and then Buddha. Uh, some of that I'm just giving a, I just, uh, you know, because Ashley did have a little dip in form, as they would say, on, on, on the soccer field Yeah. Uh, the last couple of weeks. But I do think her talent level is high, and I'm glad to see, I was glad to see her sort of, you know, find herself a little bit this week. Um, yeah, but you know, I don't have, I wouldn't have a problem with Buddha being third at this point. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people that can pop in, right? Like, I think there's some folks that we maybe have kind of, um, in fact, let's do a little bit of, let's, let's just do a little, have we underestimated and you okay. can kind of guess no on these. All right. Uh, Jay, have we underestimated Jay? Possibly. <laughs> she, she killed it this week and really the last two. Now she did get the benefit of, you know, uh, in the noodles and rice episode, getting to do things that she was extremely comfortable with, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, and ultimately uh, won that challenge. So, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's... She made a really good dish in this challenge, too. If anything, they were, they were in the middle because of the other dish, I think. Right, They're just just because the noodles were a little off in the other dish, right? So maybe, uh, yeah, Nick's noodles weren't quite right, but her her spiralized daikon, I, again, like that was they were arguably the fourth best, right, of six teams, and they made a noodle dish and a daikon dish that looked absolutely identical, and you know, per the judges, tasted fantastic, like <laughs> and. and well, a couple noodles were a little soggy, so they fall all the way to fourth place. Like that's how elite this competition is. It, it's it's really something. And and I know I feel like we say some of this stuff every week, but I I really think this is the best group we've ever seen. Mm. Or, or every year I, uh, I should say we say some of that stuff. But like it is, it's it's so impressive. And maybe it's just that you know some of this highly technical new age food stuff is really wildly impressive to see executed on your television yeah i also want to give uh major props to jay for i thought she had a really strong itm episode oh uh in her second language you know what i mean so, she is <laughs> she you know what i'll say this whether i underestimated her cooking or not i absolutely underestimated her personality the yeah. i did not <laughs> i did not in a million years think that jay 
would be the one to say, I don't bake. I like to get baked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, is that the first stoner reference on Top Chef? But probably <laughs> not. Right? But maybe. Oh, <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. And I, like, and kind of, I, want, I want to party with Jay. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I want to party with Jay. She seems to be an incredibly positive and bright spirit. And also, hopefully, she would cook at that yeah. party. Exactly. <laughs> Some Korean Cajun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Have we underestimated Evelyn? Yes. I, I think so, too. Yes. I think so, too. I think she's got real quality. Uh, and and uh, to me, as we've seen in, in a couple of these past seasons, like, the uh, chef who does Mexican but can elevate it, it can be yep. a pretty powerful force in this competition. So. And also, th- that was another one where they were in the bottom because Joe screwed up the pork belly. Yeah. yeah like, correct. Evelyn's dish was ridiculous, and Joe screwed up the pork belly. Yeah. Uh, I saved this one for last uh, so that we could lay out a little bit. Have we underestimated Mississippi Nick? <laughs> I don't think so. I think we had him pegged pretty well. <laughs> He's really good in his in his lane. Really, really excellent. And he has a hilarious and not necessarily effective commitment to certain things that that like are are his signatures, you know, with bringing his own spice mix and the cookie cutter in the shape of Mississippi like he's determined to be Mississippi Nick at all costs and He's good at it. I don't know if that's going to carry him to the top, but when he stays in that lane, he makes tremendous food. Yeah, and we got a, a barbecue smoker challenge coming next week, right? Which that I- has <laughs> to be a good thing for Nick. No question <laughs> yeah. about that. And so it's going to try. Yeah, and you know what? It's fun. Like, and by the way, do I don't remember in because did you watch Last Chance Kitchen? I did. Yes. Okay. So. You know, we've talked about Nick had his, you know, Nick's 26 spice mix and his Mississippi cookie cutter, which I guess. You Do you think, just... by the way, that he had like 23 spices in the mix and then it was like, I got to I got to get three more here. <laughs> just, just, just I don't know. <laughs> Rhyming just purposes. Pops. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> uh, it's possible. But I don't recall. Well, what I was going to say also is in in Top Chef in uh, sorry Last Chance Kitchen, um, Sarah had her own jerk seasoning. Which, by the way, yeah. also Sarah being like a Caribbean native is also a huge upset. I I did not see that coming somehow. Um, yeah. When she was like my parents' jerk spice, I was like, your parents' jerk spice? What? <laughs> what? Who? <laughs> what? Uh, but yeah, she's she comes from the islands, I guess, and. I don't remember in past seasons people like having their own stuff like that. They did not. That is a new wrinkle for this season that they allowed chefs to bring one ingredient from home. I think that is a great twist. I really like it. Yeah, me too. Because how often on this show are we talking about people finding a way to bring their own unique style and, and like cook? Everyone wants to cook their food, right? And sort of giving them, I don't know if you'd call it a crutch, but like a way to to make things indelibly theirs that might not naturally project that way, I think is a cool twist. I do too. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if you're Sarah, you're like, you'd wish you'd had a chance to pull it out before you had gotten eliminated, right? But On the other hand, it kept her in Last Chance Kitchen. <laughs> it, so. it did, right. So, uh, so we'll see. And I'm wondering, it probably seems like there's going to be an offlet here. Right for Last Chance Kitchen. In the I next think someone's coming episodes? back in the next couple episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe um, even I wonder if they are because I was thinking about this back in the day. I feel like Restaurant Wars always used to be five on five, which would mean it would have to be next week. Um, unless but they, they've messed with that, right? I mean, they did one season with three teams, right? Yes. So I, I, I think I think and I think most lately it's been four on four. I agree, but they could also eliminate someone and bring someone back in the same episode and then kick it to a five on five the following week or something like that. Um, So I do think like in the next three episodes guaranteed, we're going to see a restaurant wars. And that's of course, very exciting. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, 
Let's see. Anything else that uh, that you had from this episode? I, I really enjoyed uh, just the judges and how tickled they were by everything. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I think we got to talk a little bit about biscuits. Oh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't really get too too far into biscuits. Um, <laughs> this was to be a classic, uh, uh, like, quick fire. You know what I mean? Like, it's an interesting challenge. The stakes are fairly low, yeah. and some people are going to screw it up real bad. You know what I mean? I think I feel like I'm surprised how bad some of the biscuits got screwed up. I'm not, man. Baking is hard, and people like if you're just like I don't bake, and then it's like come up with a biscuit in 20 minutes. I, I, I can see how that would mess a lot of people up. Well, right. I understand how. For instance, Jay, who prefers, as we know, to get baked uh, versus to bake, ended up with a mediocre biscuit that she tried to distract everybody with a giant piece of Korean fried chicken. And I support that, and I understand what happened there. I don't know how you end up throwing a biscuit the size of my head in the deep fryer. <laughs> you get desperate. You get desperate. But how did you end up with a biscuit the size of a of of a of a dome in the first place? Some of these biscuits mean. were <laughs> monstrous. And like yeah. like I understand you may not be a baker, but like have you never made a biscuit? Cuz I don't know if you've made biscuits, Derek, but it is one of the easiest baking projects you can make. And I've never made biscuits from scratch. I've made a lot of the like, you know, Pillsbury style. Well, let me of, recommend to you ne- next time you want biscuits, Look up a recipe. It's like stir this butter and flour and milk together and then plop it on a pan and you get a decent biscuit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I understand they didn't have a recipe, but you're professionals for God's sakes. I would have thought everyone could produce like a half decent baseline biscuit. And in fact, about half of these chefs created what might be called an abomination. <laughs> we just saluted as being elite and super skilled (laughs) yeah well it really does draw that hard line between baking and cooking that like sometimes you forget that they probably like yes a, a biscuit a drop biscuit in particular is like day two of baker school but i don't think they ever do it at chef school right you well, know? and I, I do think that this is one of those. This is one of the reasons why, like, I'm kind of, uh, like, I'm kind of like, you guys got to look out for Monique because I think that she, it, it moves sort of effortlessly from the baking into like fine dining. You know what I mean? And there's, I don't know, if there's any other chef that really can say that. You know, uh, in yeah. this group. So I mean, especially like, oh God, Mississippi Nick. I get you wanted to do the goofy thing with the Mississippi shape, but like. Why did it look so weird? What did you do to that biscuit, man? How do you not have a, a biscuit recipe in your head? You're Mississippi I, Nick. I would feel like Mississippi Nick's lane includes crushing some biscuits. You know right? what I mean? That exactly. Biscuit was not awesome. That was exactly. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird stuff. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. I did. This uh, jumping challenges too, but I did think that that Wiley was kind of harsh on Monique with the like. She, she's not really. Uh, going out on a limb just she just made cake and ice cream i'm like dude this challenge was like crazy hard <laughs> and you love the cake and ice cream that she made right so um i, I thought that was that was tough <laughs> yeah yeah he was he had wiley's an interesting dude <laughs> he sure is do you, do you remember like are you i mean he's a chicago guy right yes um a lot of that so- crazy gastro science stuff is uh is going on in chicago he um right, he used to have just the goofiest haircut. So like I'm yeah. like see him come in with like the male pattern thing going and like the short clip was very uh it was a little disorienting for me. Although that I'm assuming he ditched that other haircut a while ago, but he definitely used to have that when he came on the show and I was like, Oh yeah, because that's how I would know him. Oh yeah, it's Wiley Dufresne, the guy with the terrible long haircut. Yeah. I feel like at some point uh somebody had to have a hard conversation with him about uh it's time to let it go and uh buzz the head. Yeah, you know. oh, I was I was gonna say like I bet if I Google it's gonna come up with the bad hair and yep it sure does <laughs> it sure does he you know who he looks like with the hair uh, a guy who stepped out of a jam band I don't who what close I was gonna say Win Butler 
Oh, yeah, that is pretty close. <laughs> the Win Butler of Gastro Science. Yeah, shouts, shouts to the new Arcade Fire record that's uh, <laughs> about to come out. Um, all right. <laughs> I, I I feel like once we start comparing Wiley Dufresne to uh, Rock, uh, I don't know, is Rock Star the right term for Win Butler? I think that's fair. Sure. Yeah, uh, I think it's time to move on to our next topic. I think it is because we have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, shows, things that we watch things get into. I'd like to start with Deep Water. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about Deep Water, or how do I feel about starting? I feel about starting with Deep Water. Yeah, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. (laughs) Oh man, Uh, I mean, I can see why this did not uh, wind up going to theaters. Is, is is you know my first impression of deep water because yeah that is that is a mess it's it's right not a well put together film uh i will say this ben affleck's a, a really good actor anna diarmas is a really good actor they're both this, <laughs> they're they're both cranked up to 11 and it's not clear that anyone gave them any idea of what they were supposed to be doing no, and on top of that, I, I thought they had like zero chemistry in, in a way that really like kind of hamstrung the movie, right? Like for this to work, right? Like they should, like you should be able to see this married couple that's waging this weird psychological warfare uh-huh. on each other and all the cuckening that's happening or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the cuckening. <laughs> I think it's but, just cucking, but yeah. Yeah, I know, but cuckening sounds pretty, you know. It's, it's pretty um, funny. Uh, all of that that's going on, right, like, that only works if you can see, but, yeah, they're so hot for each other, right? And that's why that, you know what I mean? Well, and what's the weirdest and, and that thing. Come at all. Yes, well, the weirdest thing about it is it didn't just not come through. It almost seemed like it was being played to not be there. Like, someone told them, we want the audience to have no idea why these people didn't just get divorced a long time ago. <laughs> yep. Right. And I, you know what? I knew it. I, I, I was like, I think that that like that these two actually did date, and they dated after meeting on the set of this movie. Yep. How, and you, yet you don't see any of it on screen. That's why I'm saying it almost feels like it was deliberate to be like, this couple has no chemistry. But then it calls the entire plot of the movie into question. Sure does. There's, <laughs> look, there's a lot of things in this in this that are like a little bit insane. You also, know what, I mean? what purpose, pray tell, did the small female character play in this film? They yeah, have the a child. daughter. Yeah. The child? But, is that what you mean? Yes. They have a daughter, and yet... None of their decision-making seems to relate to the daughter. They never care how any of this is affecting the daughter. And the daughter conveniently disappears with no explanation whenever they need to go to, like, a weird day party. It, <laughs> it's true. They do party a lot. <laughs> it's like it's like they're in college. They live a collegiate life. They're yeah. just, like, hanging out at their friends' places. Every scene in this movie is either, like, a picnic date or... Or a party at someone's house. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it is like that's so somewhere silly. was highly specific and yet never mentioned, right? Uh, like, um, you know, they're in this kind of community. There's a certain society. Yeah. You, you, when you look around at, like, the uh, like the plant life and stuff, it is distinct. Like, it kind of looked like New Orleans to me, which is, like, you know, pretty distinct place or, or Savannah or somewhere like that. But they never mention it. You know nope. what I mean? So... Um, so you don't really get that sense. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Everything about this movie feels like really weird and ill-considered and, uh, just like wholly unrealistic. Like these people like sort of think that maybe that Ben Affleck is killing people, right? Like that's a common rumor in town and yet they're all going to dinner parties together and like, and like this guy's getting away with killing three or four people. I'm sorry, not trying to spoil or anything, but like, where are the cops? Yeah, they show up one time, right? <laughs> and 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 only because they are called by like the people at the party. Yeah. To and not to investigate Ben Affleck. Yeah. Like Tracy Letts is the only guy who's onto him, and he's still like 
going to parties and, you know, casually strolling into the snail garage, which is another thing. Like, there are, uh, uh, okay, every aspect of Ben Affleck's character seems unconnected to the other aspects of the character and irrelevant to the story. What yep. what purpose do the snails serve? They keep mentioning the drone thing, like like they're supposed to be. It's supposed to represent some moral, uh, like like that he's morally compromised because yeah. he designed a chip that goes in drones, but it doesn't actually tie into anything at any point. <laughs> like it's all. It, uh, I mean, we probably could have stopped at the very beginning when you said this is just a big mess. We we could have, but that would not give me a chance to discuss a wasting Tracy Letts. Yeah, uh, in this movie, but B, uh, the climactic scene where Tracy Letts has discovered that Ben Affleck is, he's finally gotten his proof that Ben Affleck is the murderer. He knows that Affleck is onto him. Affleck is chasing his car. Yep, with a bike. A bike and like keeping up with them. So so there's that part of it, and then. Tracy Letts gets on the cell phone. He's he's got to make his text in the middle of the car chase. Yeah, yep. He's got a text. He can't just call. <laughs> he can't just call someone. What the and fuck? by the way, like Ben Affleck drove someone out there to kill them earlier, and there was no service. So <laughs> yeah. what happened to that? I forgot that. I forgot that part. Oh my god! All right, all right. I have to stop with this movie. It's it's ridiculous. It, yep. It's ridiculous and and uh, generally a waste of your time. Uh, agreed. And, and in a movie that is supposed to be built around Anna Darum's being sexy, uh, like just totally to- totally botched it. Totally botched the whole thing. Totally botched the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, not a good film. She is a very sexy lady, though. By the way, uh, I, I will say uh, it was kind of fun to watch Jacob Bellori bite the dust. And um, Sam Levinson was a writer on this. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, yeah. Yep. Interesting. I have some some questions. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's move on to the other movie we watched this week, uh, which is Coda. Um, And yeah. I don't know. Have you heard anything about Coda's uh, uh, Oscar chances? Because I have somewhat assumed that they are are close to close to none. <sighs> yeah, no. I mean, I'm not reading about it, but um, I, it's the best movie I've seen. <laughs> the best. So you're going flat out the best. I was just gonna say. Clearly better than the Power of the Dog is what was where I was going. But well, but I mean, what else is on the list? Uh, I gotta look. Um, all right, so I have good news, sort of. If just going by Vegas odds, and this is courtesy of VegasInsider.com, so I don't uh, uh, I don't know if they do all sorts of betting things. It's not a normal, but it looks like they do. Uh, Coda is the second favorite. Power of the Dog is is a fairly substantial favorite, minus one fifty five. But Coda's next at plus one thirty, and then it goes all the way up to uh, plus fourteen hundred. So, so it seems like it's really a two horse race, actually, per per, per Vegas. Interesting. Um, I maybe I shouldn't have said uh, the best because I love Licorice Pizza too, um, but it's right there with Licorice Pizza in terms of the stuff I've seen. I, you know. I I think I might have King Richard as my favorite of the script of movies, but really? I like a lot. I like Dakota a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I'll I, I I'll say this. Um, I feel incredibly strongly that this is what more movies should be like. Hmm. Um. When oh, we, wait. Well, it's. Uh, uh, it's it's reasonably inexpensive. It tells a truly unique story, and it's funny and clever and emotional and just wonderful. It was a wonderful experience to watch it. It is a spectacular thing to think about. It it's a delight. Um, and I just. I, I feel like there are not enough movies that 
pursue that general road of it's not a famous history it's not you know previous ip it's just a story about people that has heart and and realism and feeling and funny and it just feels like life in a really exciting and and entertaining way yeah i you know the reason that i sort of assume that it wasn't really much of a contender is because it's kind of a small movie in its ambition yes. you know what i mean and that tends not to usually do well at the oscars although um you know obviously there's some some disability at the heart of it which does tend to do well at the oscars um yep. but uh but yeah, it just it's just a it's a little movie, and I don't mean that in any way as an insult. I, you know what I mean, right? It's it's just a movie about a family, really, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but it's so it is it's beautifully done, and I would say it's probably the best feeling movie uh, of this group. Uh, there are a couple of that I haven't seen, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that uh, Belfast and Drive My Car are not feel good stories. No, um, I mean, and Licorice Pizza, while incredibly enjoyable is is isn't quite as feel good as this either and it and look that yeah, i design i think you know what's that by design i think but yes. right exactly and th- that doesn't mean look i was a puddle and in, in several moments of this film like it was very teary uh watching it but like it all was a, it was an uplifting cry you know what i mean like it <laughs> and i i i like a movie where i really feel feel something for the characters and the characters here are so well developed and intricately drawn and unique to, to what we usually see in film. I just thought it was an absolute achievement in, in writing and in acting and just in, to your point in making what is fundamentally a small movie feel important and, and big, you know, Yep, hundred percent. Um, it is the favorite for best adapted screenplay, and I think that's right. You know yeah, what I mean? Because it yeah. is a, um, it, it truly just sort of you know come up with this story and arrange it in the way that they did. I, uh, I think is is credit for them. If I have one nitpick for this movie, it, I I do think for <laughs> a story about two kids and a teacher uh, who are trying to uh, get into the Berkeley School of Music, that the music could have been a little bit better. Like, just a little bit better. But yeah, she uh, sings incredibly well. She sings well. Yeah, yeah. but I, I wouldn't buy any of them getting to Berkeley, to be honest. So. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you know, yeah. uh, just it, I would I would say maybe even more fundamental than how it sounds like the notion that uh, uh, someone who had never had any instruction until a month before auditions or whatever it was. Uh, probably would not get into Berkeley College of Music, but right. I'm prepared they, they, to suspend have to be disbelief. like the the you know what I mean the killer. But again, right? Those are these are all nitpicks. They're not going to get in the way of you enjoying the movie at all. Like it's it's I, it was really fun. I really I'm glad I watched that one. Yeah, and I I really thought in particular uh, the performances of uh, I believe his name is Troy Kotzer. Yes, he's also the favorite for best supporting actor. Um, he and, and the lead, uh, whose name I am looking for is Amelia Jones, were both particularly spectacular, I thought. Yeah. And she I had, I have not seen old. Amelia Jones in, in anything. Um, I saw her in Lock and Key, which is a, you know, uh, middling fantasy series on Netflix. Uh, you know, Marley Matlin, we know, and she's always good. And, and I thought the son was good, too. Like, everybody was good. But in particular, Amelia Jones and Troy Kotzer were just wonderful. And, God, the scene where – I'm getting emotional thinking about it. The scene where after the recital where, like, he has her sing and puts his hands on her throat, like, just – was so emotional, and, you know, I, I feel like I keep doing this. I, I had a conversation about this uh, with my therapist the other day. Um, but you can't stop feeling parent things when you become a parent, um, as obnoxious as that is to non-parents. And you just, like, I couldn't help thinking about what it would be like to have your 
your child a succeeding and in fact thriving but maybe just more to the point like feeling like the thing that they have to do the thing that they are made for is a thing you can't possibly appreciate or understand or even consume um the emotions of that i are are impossible to <laughs> to sort of even wrap your head around um and i just thought that was, it was such an emotional scene both the recital itself and and the stuff after it of you know just the father trying to understand his daughter when she's not on purpose but she's chosen a, a means of expression that in some ways like the obstacles are unsurmountable for him yeah. you know like it, it's it's an incredible it's an incredible thing to think about. Um, well, it's a nice contrast too of like you know he was probably struggling the most in, in, at the actual performance to try to like stay with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they have, when they have that conversation about like we should we stop at the grocery store on the way home in the middle yeah. in the middle of the music. You know, it just and that's again this movie it does such an incredible job of like that's a funny moment and then you think about it and it's heartbreaking. You know. Well, and then they do that. They play that really smart trick, and it's the only time in the movie that they do it, where you kind of they kind of shift the perspective on yeah. the sound, right? You, right. You kind of under right because, you know, your your instinct is to be annoyed at them for you yeah. know what I mean for not being invested, and then you, when you see what it's like from their end and how hard it would be to stay invested, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I get this, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, uh, lovely, lovely film. Good, good for them. I, uh, you know, I was a little bit. This was one that, like, when I saw it in the nominations, kind of raised my eyes a little bit. I was like, "That's yeah. been on Apple TV." Yeah. Uh, um. But I, I totally get it now. Um. All right, let's. Uh, should we talk about Minx? Yes. Uh, if, I really enjoyed this, but I kind of knew I would. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? If 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 we if we looked at Coda being in the Oscar thing and thought, really that that little movie. Um, this is the opposite of that in that it is exactly what I thought it would be. I was super excited to sit down with it and I was completely rewarded in exactly the way I expected to be. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind at some point seeing Jake Johnson stretch a little bit. You know what I mean? Like um, as an actor in general. Yeah. Like, He's mostly doing the thing that he does. He's, uh-huh. he, he's great in this, and I really enjoy the thing that he does. You know what yep. I mean? Um, and, you know, and I like that, you know, they're giving this character, like, you can tell there's some layers to his onion, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're going to learn more about over over the rest of this. But, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him do something that's just completely out of that at some point, you know? I totally agree, but I also don't think that's a criticism of this sh- this show it is not it is not yeah. it is not a criticism of this at all because again he's what he his thing is perfect for this you know so yep and look uh, i'm with you like it would be interesting to see him stretch out a bit but also i can't blame him or the people casting him um for continuing to have him do this thing that he does as well as anyone has ever done it oh <laughs> uh, yeah yep yeah no it was not a, it was definitely not a criticism of minx and i thought that um the the lead uh, was also really well cast yes you know she has I mean? a very interesting name that i am also blanking on um ophelia lovebond is her name that is that's quite an interesting name i don't think i even knew that yes <laughs> and that almost sounds made up it it sounds like it's a stage name yes uh but it seems to be her given name. Um, and I really, like, I recognize her, but I'm not sure where from. Um, I'm now looking up her stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I looked up her stuff. And, she was in Rocket Man. Did you see Rocket Man? Yeah. She's had some small roles in things that I've seen, so I definitely have seen her before um you know i elementary is a, a show i watched and, and guardians of the galaxy maybe uh yep but i feel like she's in a lot of makeup for that um that's all i got <laughs> yeah so she's one of those people that like i have i have seen her around like no strings attached i saw back in 2011 but 
even seeing her filmography, I can't necessarily associate her with any particular role. Now that I'm thinking about it, Guardians of the Galaxy, I can picture her, but she was in a bunch of makeup. Um, and yeah, she she is really hitting the sort of um, dichotomy of this character that is so determined to succeed, but also uncomfortable doing it on the strange terms that it seems to be happening in. Um, and she's both aggressive and, and, you know, motivated and also kind of... Uh, naive. Clueless. Yeah, naive and also, like, not prepared for this opportunity right yeah um i i think she does a really good job of of making that character seem real uh and and that's a big part of of what's happening here and i'm excited to see where it goes it's a ton of fun and it's a 30 minute episode length so it's easy yep um apparently uh, jake johnson was originally cast as a uh, special guest star and then they changed it to recurring role which is weird because it seems like he's definitely the second lead of the show. He uh, undeniably is. By the way, um, speaking of of people in the show that are enjoyable, who I recognize, the lady who plays the <clears throat> the sort of uh, p- porn star who wants more, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, her name is Bambi in the show. The actress is Jessica Lowe. Uh, she's very good as well. Yeah, doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Gotta gotta fix that. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to move on to uh, human resources? Uh sure. I think this will be easy. All right. So, to me, this is right. It's a spinoff of Big Mouth, and I feel like it is, um, exactly like your result is exactly what you would expect from that. Right. It's it's funny like Big Mouth, but it's a little less funny. It's bingeable like Big Mouth, but it's a little less bingeable. Like there's something that's just not like it's good and I'm going to watch it and I'm glad it exists. You know what I mean? Um, and there's some characters I like, but not as many characters I like in Big Mouth. You know, what I mean? it's just like it's like Big Mouth, but a little less. Yeah, um, I would be more specific. I think that's a very good description. But what I would add to that is. It's big mouth without the heart. Yeah, a lot of the heart is really missing. I feel like they're going to get to more of it. I, I don't know how many you watched. I watched like four. I think I only watched two. Um, but it just, I, I think, you know, they make a joke that uh, in the show that, you know, big mouth meets the office is the way they pitched it. And it's an incredibly accurate pitch. And that you know that jives with me for the we took all the heart and and like meaningfulness frankly out of big mouth and tried to just keep the funny and the result is it's a little less funny and a little less good yeah yeah and it's just there's a right there's a little less of the uh smarts and right. uh the emotional center yeah it's uh, sort of like what if we kept making the dick and poop and fart jokes but stopped caring about people oh <laughs> <laughs> um, i will say um the once again much like big mouth uh and obviously all of these monsters i think almost all these monsters have shown up in big mouth at some point um yeah i mean there were some new side characters but at least versions of you know it was mostly about the the Rock, bugs and yeah. The, yeah uh but man what a what an ace voice cast Right, like it's there's... spectacular, and you like recognizable, yeah. big recognizable voices. Yeah. Um. So uh, I I I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> uh. And and I'm gonna enjoy the rest of this. I just it's, it's not quite as inspired as the as the original version. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. It's not like wow. There's no wow here. Uh. Yes, that's correct. There's no wow. Um, you will not be wild, but you'll laugh. Um, the dropout. Let uh, me just ask you, did you think this was better or worse than Super Pumped? Oh, 
I I think I might have to think about that. Okay. Um If if you're putting me on the spot, I think I'm gonna say better. I but think if I. You, but if you're asking me like you know like this week when we're not doing when a, when homework is not an issue, I might be more excited to watch another Super Pumped. Interesting. That, I mean, it's sort of the same thing, right? Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. right. You're like I'm less bothered in Super Pumped by the fact that you know that these are uh, people of limited morality mm-hmm. let's say questionable morality yep. mostly um that i am in uh because that i don't know it seems to be a little bit more of the point of the dropout that, that that there's some morality issues happening here i do feel like you know and i don't know if the, if the show is positing this directly but i got the impression that like if Elizabeth, young Elizabeth Holmes' parents had just told her, like, hey, maybe being a billionaire is not a great goal, that, like, yeah. none of this might ever have happened. Well, that's certainly what the show seems to suggest. Um, I, I would also say that, and perhaps to your point, that, it that you know, the moral ambiguity is a little more centered, centered here. Um, the show seems more interested in in the question of how much of this was deliberate fraud and malfeasance and how much of this was someone with reasonably good intentions getting out over their skis and making mistakes. Um, yeah. Well, and that would, in whatever version of that, of the story. Now we've seen quite a few in Hollywood, uh, including a documentary yeah. of one of the law and order episodes. I think we watched, yeah. yep. you know what I mean? Well, there's a lot of portrayals of this situation now at this point, like that always seems to be the thing, right? Like, He's, yeah. you know, it's kind of like Dr. Death, right? Is this person incompetent or intentionally, uh, you know, defrauding people or maiming them? You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Um, and, and I, you know, I mean, it definitely seems like uh, Elizabeth Holmes is a victim of, of their ambition. At least that's what it seems like the show wants you to think. Yeah, of her ambition and, and, and like you said, of having the goal be becoming a billionaire businesswoman, not creating a specific thing or or any you know reasonable achievement um right like she she wants to help people but only only as a vehicle to making a billion dollars right exactly um that at least again that's what the show seems to suggest and fair enough i don't know elizabeth holmes and that seems uh reasonable uh the reason i asked whether you thought it was better or worse than super pumped is because i'm essentially where you landed which is they're they're the same thing uh the the biggest difference, in my view, is that Elizabeth Holmes is a more interesting character and Amanda Seyfried's performance is more interesting than Joseph Gordon-Levitt's. Not not through any failure on his part, I don't think, but just like in, in Travis the Uber guy, you have a douchebag that could be any other douchebag, basically, you know, um, and Elizabeth Holmes is a very specific person. <laughs> And the way Amanda Seyfried is doing it is, I think, impressive. I don't know if it's great or, like, I don't know if they're getting to anything important, but she's something to watch. Yeah, she really is. She's, I, 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 I thought she did a great job of kind of – right, because you have to – one of the things, and I think maybe this is the thing that makes her more layered and interesting than Travis Kalanick. Yeah. Right? Like, Travis Kalanick, you know, is kind of doing his super pump thing. And, like, there's some – it requires some charisma and, like, the idea that we're all going to get rich to get people to be excited. Okay, fine. But that's not that's not a big leap. Right. Like, Elizabeth Holmes took all of these older, more accomplished Stanford people. Yep. And and had them all like redoing their lives to follow her and be a part of this thing. And yep. you, it takes a special person to do that because they are not going to just be like, "Ooh, look at the shiny object over there." You know what I mean? Like this is like for them to all be like, "Let's follow this twenty-year-old girl to the promised land." Um, like that, you need a special twenty-year-old to do that. And I and and I think that the. the Show does a good job of of showing that, and um, Amanda Seyfried does a great job of bringing that to the surface. I, you know, a lot of us wondered like, 
how would she handle the accent portion of this? And I think I think she navigates it pretty well, actually. I think it's pretty uh, remarkable. It's yeah. it is such a weird affect. There are so many strange affects. And obviously, just the simple fact that Amanda Seyfried has gigantic eyes helps sell the whole thing. But the weird stare, the weird sort of thousand-yard stare that Elizabeth Holmes has, the weird monotone, the sort of forced-feeling emotional displays, she nails all of it. Um, And it's impressive. I still don't care about this show, um, and I'm not going to watch more of it. But she is very impressive. Look at you. I'm I'll probably finish this. Yeah, I uh, just feel the same way with the Uber stuff. Like I don't I don't care. I'm sick of having the way bad people violated the world like dramatized and explained to me. I don't need it. And this is kind of back to my point about Coda. I would rather just watch an original story. I don't want to keep reliving the worst people in America. I don't get the point of it. Well, other than hey, this is a this is a thing that people care about, and so they'll watch. Like I think that's a terrible reason to do TV (laughs) or anything, and it frustrates me. And I'm not interested in spending my time on it. I would rather try to talk you into that in the same way I wouldn't want you to talk me into watch a bunch of comic book movies. Yeah, exactly. And I would rather like rewatch Atlanta, which I've done over the last couple days, than spend more time relitigating the story of. Elizabeth Holmes fraud. I just don't care. So you're saying I should cross we we crashed out of the homework then. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I think if nothing else, what I've gained from watching two or three episodes each of Super Pumped and the Dropout is the deep knowledge and certainty that I am not interested in We Crashed. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm actually probably going to watch Request, Request on my own time at some point. And look, if it turns out to be some spectacular, different, interesting thing, you can go ahead and let me know. But okay, I just like I, that's going to be a high bar before I'm talking to you about it. I, think. I know. And th- it, this is now three shows released in the space of a month, all focused on human abominations in the tech world that we all know the story of. You Are know? you adding Pam and Tommy in that? No, I'm because you kind of could. Well, at least Pam and Tommy is like a really scintillating story that is nearly 30 years old and like has a lot of interesting implications about the way the world is right now and also is being told in a way from a perspective and with a like a, a thoughtfulness that I don't think it got when it originally was released. I think well, it's fair, but I would happened, also argue right? that I'll look. I'm not, again. I don't want to make an argument for these movies. If you know, if they're not for you, they're not for you. I can accept that. But I would say that uh, all of uh, both Super Pumped and um, the Dropout, I think, do have things to say about you know what the world is becoming thanks to these people, and I think that that some of that is interesting. It's, I'm fine yeah. if you're not here for it. I'm just well. Saying. No, I mean, I think you're right. It's just it's to me the points that they are making are points I gleaned from reading the news articles yeah well <laughs> you know so you're living in the center of it you know what i mean so it's like it's yeah. super in your daily life as it is speaking, yeah speaking no. which um it, it, on a personal level it's very interesting for me to watch the like the episode where elizabeth Holmes is uh you know a stanford undergrad and she's like Running around like rocking out to like yeah yeah yes and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and LCD sound system and arcade fire and I'm like, wait a second, like this is 2004. Mm. Was uh was Elizabeth Holmes listening to my radio show while, <laughs> while this was going on? She probably was. <laughs> I think that, I feel like there's a decent chance. And then I started wondering, like, man, I wonder who else I was listen- was listening and just up to just weird, crazy shit. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel like this is something that you probably have not spent a lot of time thinking about. But I feel like there are probably a lot of people who are currently tech multimillionaires, if not billionaires, who know exactly who you are. <laughs> <laughs> it could be true. It could be true. Um, by the way, I did enjoy uh, Larry Ellison. The like whatever that version of Larry Ellison was, I that was hilarious. That did not relate at all to the real Larry Ellison. I I doubt that it does. But that was I agree. That was hilarious. It was like Larry Ellison 
as I don't even know. I don't even know who to who what that character was, but it was very funny. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good moment. He's got Elizabeth um, Holmes. You know what it was? It was like it was like he was basically Cuba Gooding Jr. in Jerry Maguire. Kind of was, kind of was, but with like a sycophant behind him. The sycophant <laughs> thing too was so funny. Like, like there are. Again, I I do think this was probably a little better than Super Pumped, and it's not that either of them is poorly executed. It's just that I don't care to relive this crap. Yeah. All right. Me, I'm more like, hey, it's a dude from Lost. <laughs> this one, glad you're here. <laughs> is that who that was? Yeah, sure was. Oh man, I didn't. I did not connect that. Well, it looks different without the long hair and the the. Goatee. Um, <laughs> all right, I think I think we're done, right? Let's do some homework. Yeah, let's let's homework it up. Uh, all right, so we mentioned obviously Atlanta's back. Uh, there'll, there'll be three episodes, I believe, out by the time we we get to talk about this next week, but we can't wait to. That is uh, correct. Um, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. You're right. The guy from Lost, obviously, you're talking. That was a little confusing because you're talking about the Indian guy. Yes. Um, the Pakistani guy. Uh, Saeed, I believe, was his name. Yes. Mm-hmm. In Lost. And, and it, it, I, until you said it, I was staring at him like, I know that voice. I feel like I know that face, but he does look completely different and much less athletic. Um, <laughs> which, to be fair, it's like 20 years later. Yeah. It's but, been about a minute. But uh, did you realize who the guy who played Larry Ellison was? No. Is he also in Lost? No. He is a real blast from the past. Do you remember a character by the name of... I'm going to blow his name. I want to make sure I get the name right. Uh, Ellis in the film Die Hard. Oh, I sure do. I know exactly what you're talking about now. That's fantastic. <laughs> that guy is the guy who played Larry Ellison. Oh, man, that's great. The douchebag from the original Die Hard. Yep, still makes a great douchebag. He sure does. He was <laughs> he was excellent. That's that's fantastic. All right, that makes me happy. Um, all right, so Atlanta, we're doing uh, Life and Beth on Hulu. That is Amy Schumer and Michael Sarah, mm-hmm. um, and DMZ, which I believe is on HBO Max, uh, starring Rosario Dawson. Yep, and of course, more Top Chef. And I am on. Uh, I have not watched the first two episodes of season three of Atlanta that came out last night, but I have watched the first seventeen episodes of the series uh which means i have four more in season two before i'm done with my re-binge and i gotta say i before i started this binge would have said that atlanta is one of the five best television shows of the last 10 years and after watching it i don't think i need to say 10 years this show is so good it's so layered it's so thoughtful every piece of acting on it is spectacular i i had forgotten how incredible lakeith stanfield is because we've seen him do so many other wonderful things he's he's been doing so much acting at such a high level and so many interesting parts you know from the, the the judas and the black messiah to friggin sorry to bother you that I forgot that the character Darius on Atlanta is truly one of the greatest television characters of all time. And the performance he gives is like nothing I've ever seen. He is the most spectacularly unique actor maybe we have right now. And I just love him. And I love this show so much. I just watched the Teddy Perkins episode and uh, it's I'm just, I was just like when you started thinking about this, I'm like, I wonder if he's got the Teddy Perkins episode. It's yeah. genius. <laughs> it's absolute genius. And it comes right on the heels of the episode with the barber where you don't see Urn 
or Darius at all. And then all of a sudden, it's Darius on a solo mission with Donald Glover playing the crazy guy. And I had forgotten about exactly how it ended. And it there it's... I'm telling you, this show is going to go down as one of the five or six greatest shows in the history of television. It's... I'm so excited about the new ones. I can't even begin to describe it. So how long did this binge take you? Day and a half. Day, okay. Oh, but been, a full day and a half. I've then been noticeably you, not busy. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you had some time. <laughs> I had some free time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not that long. I mean, many of the episodes are like 21 minutes, and there's only 21 episodes before this season. So uh, it doesn't take that long. All right. Well, I've got you know, we only put three things in the homework this week because I got, uh, besides Top Chef because I got a lot of uh, you know I have some limited time. There's a lot lot happening in the sports world and, yep. and in life. You know what I mean? So we have the Oscars this weekend as well, and so we can talk about them. Right, and the Oscars is coming up. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so I just didn't know that I was gonna have time to watch a bunch of stuff. But man, I wouldn't sure. mind doing a binge on on Atlanta before we got into the rest of it. You know, um, originally I was thinking, well, you know, it was like Wednesday. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to spend all day the next two days watching TV. Maybe I'll just start like with the end of season one or the start of season two. And I have to tell you, I have no regrets. I'm so glad right. I went all the way to the beginning. There were, there were episodes in season one that were so burned in my head. I was sure they were season two episodes, you know, it's just, yeah, well, it's also been off the air a while now, right? It, so it's, it's been four it's years, I think. And it's good to remind yourself, I'm sure that anyone would be able to enjoy this next couple episodes without watching the old ones. But it it, it was just a reminder of how wonderful this show is. Uh, Yeah, well, I can't wait. We'll talk more about how wonderful it is. Uh, Let's get out of here. Okay, bye. Game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening.